0: This is The Think Tank with Dr. Michael Neal talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Most interesting and uh, timely guest, Stephen Richer, is Maricopa County recorded, elected in the most recent election, and he is in the midst of the fray. In the ongoing controversy concerning the recount of the 2020 election, many people call it a fraud. It others call it an audit. Those who are in favor of uh, the office that you, uh, sir. Um, head was impugned, really, by the state audit, even though most of the stuff they impugned uh, were related to things that occurred before you're taking office. You have an important story to tell and uh, told it in a 37-page discourse, which uh, caught my attention. I will tell you that I have read it twice. Oh, well, thank you. Um, and it... Um, it is it is worthy of the university of chicago of from which you hold at least two degrees um i i recommend it but no know, knowing full well that few <laughs> will read something of that length uh, sir that's that's why you're here because um uh this tells a very important story but before we get to that i'd like to talk about you your own uh background and uh Uh, sort of what brought you to this office and to this venue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me on. And you're right. I have found myself in the midst of all of this. I didn't expect to. I certainly didn't expect for this to be the most controversial political issue of our time. But here we are, and we're going to make the best of it. So I ran for the recorder's office because it was interesting to me on many different levels. And I thought it's an opportunity where I could make a positive difference. And it really is an amalgamation of three things, all of which I value, which is politics in that it is inherently political because you are elected and you are overseeing elections and you are maintaining the voter registration database. It is legal and I'm a lawyer by trade and you have to comply with state statute and you have to be very careful about that because when we're dealing with subjects as – perilous, perhaps, as elections, you need to make sure that you comply with state statute. And then the part of it that I find most endearing and was most um, drawing to me was the administrative component. And at the end of the day, this is really a nuts and bolts office that is a customer service office. And I just wanted to go in there and see if we could improve things from a managerial standpoint, make sure that we ran the office well. And I didn't think that would aggravate anyone. I thought, you know, I could have friends, Republicans, Democrats, and otherwise, who would just say, you know what, I might not agree with all of his politics, but seems like a nice guy and he runs a good office. And for this position, that's good enough for me.
0: You know, my observation about this office, and frankly, there are a lot like this in government. I see the function as a lot like that of a goalie. Um, If you do a really good job, two seconds later, people forget Anything about you, or even that you exist, screw up the game stops and everybody looks at you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Goalie's one that I hadn't thought of before. I'd always equated it to a referee or an umpire, where mm-hmm. if you're doing a great job, people aren't talking about you. But my goodness, if you throw one flag on a questionable pass interference call, then you know, and that somehow interferes with the game, then the conversation is about you rather than about the responsibilities over which you're presiding, and that's not a good thing. Now, that was my aspiration. It has not materialized, and here I am in the center of things, but I would posit that I have been, uh, you know, Shakespeare said, uh, some men are born great, some men become great, and some men have greatness thrust upon them. And I won't say I have greatness, but I've had this thrust upon me.
0: Uh, You've certainly been in the uh, in the midst of a, uh, a a great deal of attention. Let's say, yes, uh, not only um, not only in the state, but nationally. That's right. right. I mean, the the I, it seemed like the whole agenda of you know, well, let's, if we can find fraud here in Arizona, then maybe we can, you know, the the number of legislators from other states that have been walked through. Uh, the The counting operation uh, and they weren 't random states they were they were places where where the election was fairly close um, suggest you know that the, the the there was an agenda here that didn 't end in arizona
1: that 's right, and some of the proponents have been explicit about this, calling Arizona the first domino to fall yeah. or america 's audit that would launch a thousand audits um, now as it happens. So far, we haven't seen a replication of this in any other jurisdiction. We've seen a few different smaller types of audits, but for all the talk, it really has just remained in Arizona so far, and perhaps some of that is because nobody's even seen what this has really produced yet.
0: Um, let's return for just just a second. I know you'll be pleased to do this, but let's just return for a second to you. Oh, cool. uh, you're. Uh, in reading through your piece and self-description, your conservative uh, credentials are impeccable. Thank you. I mean, no, I mean, as I look at, I mean, I recognize these, a couple I didn't, but Federalist Society, American Enterprise Institute, Cato Institute, uh, this is the Republican conservative establishment.
1: I am a movement creature. I have always been part of the conservative libertarian movement. I drank deeply from conservative libertarian philosophers. Um, as noted in my paper, Milton Friedman was a strong influence mm-hmm. on my life growing up um, or on my ideology more than my life. And that's to what I have adhered consistently. And I have never wavered from those limited government principles.
0: Now, one of the more interesting or quirky uh, pieces uh, of your resume, I saw you also worked on the Giuliani campaign. Have you ever rethought
1: that one? (laughs) Well, you know, one, uh, America's mayor, and he was truly a unifying force in the aftermath of 911 i don't think people thought of him as a republican or a democrat in that in
0: that time now he the interesting thing people he's had an up and down career uh prior to 911 he was not held in particularly great regard in new york city 911 happened and he's america's he's america's uh you know mayor and a hero so yeah uh, had and some real
1: ups and downs i think what drew me in that time period was he seemed Focused on issues of governance, focused on issues of economics, and less so the the conservative social agenda, which to me at the time was uh, that was the brand of republicanism that I would subscribe to and the the social side would have been a very tough haul in New York City exactly <laughs> and it. so you know for instance, gay marriage was a very different discussion mm-hmm. in two thousand and eight than it is today mm-hmm. and he didn't have that. He didn't wear that. He didn't make that his reason for being. And that was a large component of the 2004 Bush-Cheney reelect and was obviously in the discourse. And the conservatism I wanted to focus on wanted to focus on regulatory reform, uh, lower taxes and you know a good justice system.
0: Okay. Well, we will return. I have an agenda. Uh, The next segment, I want to talk about what exactly the county did in terms of uh, running this election. And then we'll move on to the cyber ninjas and the rest of it. But uh, I thought it'd be a very good base to start from to say, all right, let's have you talk about the procedures, even though – you weren't the one doing most, That's right. most of them, but you're but you're intimately aware of what happened and are in a position to talk about that. When we return in just a moment in The Think Tank with Stephen Richer, Maricopa County Recorder. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back with Stephen Richard, Maricopa County Recorder, who is, among other things, really the chief elections officer for the county. Uh, You were not in that position during the election. You took office in January. Um, But uh, you certainly have uh, made it a point to bring yourself up to speed on exactly what happened. You wrote a 37-page treatise on This election. And you state rather bluntly and unqualified, and I quote, this election wasn't stolen. How do you know?
1: That's correct, because I'm an empiricist, (laughs) and I looked at the data, and I looked at the available research, and I looked at the methodology, and there's not one shred of data that suggests that the election is stolen, and there's lots of data to say that everything checked out. So. Before this Senate-led audit, it's not like the county had done nothing. We had done all the statutorily required tests and more. And when I say we, again, I mean the county and then when I took office in January, me.
0: And, of course, you have a political leadership, uh, you and your team, but— Ninety five, 98 percent, something like that of the office are
1: civil service holdovers. Correct. And a lot of these people are seasoned professionals who have been with the office for over 20 years and have presided over many a Republican victory. And And, and
0: I might add, if, if somebody wants to make party, you know, inference on that, that office has been held by a Republican except for the last four years, as long as anybody can
1: remember. Right. And that's another curious point that you've brought up now twice is that, look. I I ran against the previous office holder. Mm-hmm. I didn't hold him in the highest esteem ever, but the truth is the truth and while I have no incentive to lie, um in fact perhaps it would be to my benefit to go out and say, you know, well, the former recorder, you know, he did all this and that, but the election wasn't stolen and I'm not going to lie about that and like I said, all all the data Says it's not stolen, um, and and I've really spent the last eight months digging into this and learning everything I possibly can. And like I said, facts and logic drive my study. And the Stop the Steal movement has no facts and logic. And the the county officials did everything properly. So let's let's go to one thing that, for instance, not many people talk about, and that's that the county oversaw a hand count audit of the ballots. After the immediately after the November 3rd election. So, the way that this is done, and this is statutorily required, is they get designees from the major political parties. They sit in groups of three, those designees, not county employees, but Republicans, Democrats, independents, Liber- or Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, sit in groups of three, and they counted over 47,000 votes and those votes matched 100% with what the machines tabulated them. So when you talk about stuff like, oh, the Dominion machines were switching votes, well, here you have a statistically significant number of votes, and they match 100%. So that should disabuse that notion. Then we did additional tests when I took office, because as I have consistently stated, I was not opposed to the idea of doing further tests. I think that could be potentially good hygiene for the system. Mm -hmm. And I was certainly aware that lots of Republicans had reasonably or not lost confidence in the system. So, together with the Board of Supervisors, we enlisted two seasoned, professional, long standing, reputable elections technology companies to come in and independently assess whether the machines could have been hacked, whether they could have been manipulated, whether they could have been connected to the internet, whether they could have switched votes, or anything else nefarious. And the answers were no, 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 and no. And so Again, and that's built into all the inherent checks and and tests that we have, which I detail at some length in that letter. So, you know, at, at some point, put up or shut up and there's no put up. And, you know, they tried and there were eight court cases in the immediate aftermath challenging Maricopa County's elections. And I believe in our court systems. I'm a huge believer in our court system. And in each case you know, plaintiffs lost. And in some of those cases, they lost spectacularly. Uh, the uh, the Kraken case, which was filed in the federal district court, didn't even survive a motion to dismiss, which means, you know, on a 10b6 standard, it means it didn't even rise to the level of plausible. Yeah, Sorry, I'm running my, off here. No, I
0: just, as a, as a layman, with some understanding of the law, I want to make sure we don't lose people on that yeah. point. I, my layman's understanding of that is, if, you, if a case is brought in and it simply lacks any credibility whatsoever, it's just not remotely plausible, a judge can throw it out early and, and you don't go through the entire. Is that, is that a fair exactly. statement? Exactly. And that is a hard thing to achieve as a defendant. Be- okay? beca- because the default position is hold the whole trial and see.
1: The default position is proceed to discovery. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And proceed to the case. It is, you know, plaintiff friendly at that point. You just have to allege something that is at least plausible. And yet we've seen throughout the entire country that these cases have been dismissed on motions to dismiss. And not only that, but a lot of the attorneys bringing these cases have been sanctioned. They've been disbarred. Rudy Giuliani, my former Presidential aspirant and leader uh, has been disbarred from both New York State and Washington, D.C., for making bald-faced lying statements that have no validity and that any good-faith lawyer would not allege in a court of law.
0: And I've I've noticed there were a number of attorneys who argued really frivolous things right up until the moment when they had to go in court and then were smart enough to back off of that. They knew that there would be sanctions Uh, You can can lie on the street. You just can't lie. Yeah, the
1: the, the court of Twitter is very different from the federal (laughs) district court or the Maricopa (laughs) County Superior Court. Um, And I would encourage people to look to the latter rather than the former for truthful statements. And Sidney Powell herself, who's the progenitor of so many of these claims of fraud, has completely reversed her position now that Dominion is suing her for defamation. And so, you know, that's why. And there's no... There's no evidence of fraud. In fact, everything is to the contrary. The signatures were another thing that were reviewed. Um, Kelly Ward challenged the, the signatures, which Maricopa County uses as verification of your identity. Her handwriting expert got to review a sample size of signatures under supervision of the court, and of all the signatures that they reviewed, zero were found to be likely fraudulent. And so, you know, I keep seeing things like that, and I'm somebody who approached this out of born out of the grassroots Arizona Republican Party, who said, "Okay, I'm out, I'm up to this, but you got to show me," and each time
0: it fell short one of the things i found most impressive in your analysis you went through kind of the patterns of voting and you got very very specific of what happened you you in your counts basically trump lost 60,000 Republican voters, people who voted for Republicans in a majority of other cases, he lost those and he didn't lose them re- randomly. He lost them exactly where the pre-election survey said he would lose them, which was upper income, Paradise Valley, Scottsdale, and, and upper income, upper educated suburban type. There was there was a drop off of Republicans who normally vote Republican who did not vote for him. So,
1: I, I, I mean, it clearly conforms to exactly the patterns you saw in 2018. Exactly the worries that the Republican Party had with Senator McSally. And that's why every single data analyst, Republican data analyst, whether it's George Califf, whether it's Mike Noble, whether it's Garrett Archer, who are all responsible, would say, no, no. This wasn't no. anomalous. There are no random drops of blue ballots anywhere. Because
0: it would have shown up in some pattern that you would have you would have picked up if you looked at – because they're not just counted. They're counted within a precinct. Absolutely. And by
1: the way, I got that data from a guy named Benny White who was a Republican who ran for recorder in Tucson and lost. But he was not willing to say fraud. He was willing to say the facts are the facts. We'll be back with Stephen Richer after the break.
0: Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back with Stephen Richer, uh, Maricopa County recorder. I I, I did say, and I want to just briefly be just for the record correct, because I did say sort of chief elections officer. But really, that is now split, isn't it, between your office and the county supervisors? Both have different. Uh non-overlapping but complementary
1: responsibilities, correct? That's absolutely right. So the recorder's office is an office of about 165 full-time employees, and it presides over three things, the recording of public documents. So all of you buying a new home in Maricopa County, you interact with our office in some capacity. Mm-hmm. The voter registration database is the exclusive authority of the Maricopa County recorder's office. We have 2.6 million registered voters. We're the second largest voting jurisdiction in the United States, actually, actually, behind L.A. County. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cook County is divided in terms of it's a larger county, but it gets divided into different voting Mm -hmm. jurisdictions. And then elections, which you're right. We now is a joint responsibility with the Board of Supervisors who are five-member body, four of whom are Republicans, and four of whom were Republicans during the 2020 election as well.
0: And who've taken a position
1: very similar to yours. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they've been there from the get-go and really all of Maricopa County. Mm-hmm. Republican and Democrat is united in this respect. And it's a, it's a real blessing because when I look around and I see someone like Brad Raffensperger in Georgia, you know, he's fighting this fight with you know, he has his office, but that's really about it. He's
0: a secretary of state, I believe.
1: A secretary of state of Georgia. Correct. Yeah, right. And he was the one uh, with whom President Trump had that phone Fan- call. Phone call. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: OK. Uh, we talked about you. We talked about uh, what was done by Maricopa County, your office and board of supervisors in terms of running this election. Um what about this Senate run? And here I get into language. I can't, I can't, I call it an audit. I'm legitimating. I call it a fraud. I'm it, audit, fraud, it, take your pick. Uh, uh, the cyber ninjas et al. Uh, operation.
1: Yeah. So I, I think I speak for any everyone on the Board of Supervisors, and I certainly speak for myself in saying that we are not anti audit. As mentioned before, we did our own assessment of the tabulation equipment because that's where we understood to be the the genesis of most of the concerns was this Dominion tabulation hardware and software. So we wanted to do an additional test. We even supported the notion of the Senate doing an additional test. What we have objected to consistently is a test done by a company that had no, zero elections experience. That was led by a conspiracy theorist indulging CEO, that was led by a CEO who had already said the election was stolen, that was led by a CEO who only recruited fellow Republicans. We don't think that was the formula for success. And I think if you pose that to any business owner in Maricopa County and said, you know, hey, would you. Bring this person in as a business owner, even if he has no relevant experience in the field, I think they would laugh at that. And I just think that considering Senator Fan has called this the most important audit in the United States right now, and I would say it is the most important post election audit since at least year 2000, this is when you needed to bring in a blue chip company that is beyond repute and is held to the highest professional standards. And we have seen anything but that with the Cyber Ninjas. And it has Born negative consequences, um, accusations of unlawfulness that have really landed on the human beings in my office. Um, I think it has further undermined confidence in the election by making additional wild allegations that were unproven. And and just to uh, reference
0: a couple of those, and this you you listen to these and. You know, I, I, a lot of these you see this – if somebody brought this as a movie script, it seemed to me to be rejected as implausible. Uh, this is like really weird stuff and I might use a different word but ballots were flown in from South Korea. We had bamboo on the ballots from – by the way, the bamboo capital of the world is Costa Rica, not China. I didn't uh, know that. That, um, or at least in Costa Rica, they say. That, <laughs>
1: that, that might make our situation yeah, worse but, because that's closer.
0: <laughs> uh, or that uh, Mr. Hickman burned down his own— <laughs> His, his, his uh,
1: 165,000 chickens incinerated. Right, he burned
0: them down in order to uh, burn a, a few uh, ballots, uh, deleted databases that you had in front of you. I mean, and I, I must say, just the one that I got is, well, if Adrian Fontes did this, your predecessor— yes. If he was going to arrange to steal election... I think maybe he'd
1: start with his own. He start lost. Own. <laughs> I think Adrian got a little too clever and for it was, his own good. And, and
0: it was a very – I think yours was the closest election with him, was it not? Mine was the closest countywide election. Yeah. That's absolutely so right. I won had, by, by hair. If he if he was going to steal, he didn't have to steal that much. <laughs> no.
1: Well, I I, I mean, it, it, and that just goes to show just how preposterous it is. Mm-hmm. And look, all, we can laugh about all of those mm-hmm. things, and I assure you I have laughed because the alternative is to cry. But each of those things has a real human. Human costs. I will tell you I have had people in my office who have been very upset because they have gotten direct correspondence to either their Facebook or to their email mm-hmm. saying you are going to – Use your your negative verb. You know, you're going to you're going to hang or or, or something like that Mm -hmm. because you are a traitor to the country. And I know where you are. And these are people who are just doing their jobs, some of whom, like we said before, have presided over many a Republican success. They don't deserve this type of nonsense. And I have to speak out and I have to say something about it. And I'm going to try and shield it from them. But, yes, the Senate. Audit is causing more of this. The Cyber Ninja audit is causing more of this. There are real human costs. And additionally, you know, I, I really wonder what this is doing to confidence because something like this, they allege that 74,000 ballots had been fraudulently injected into the system.
0: That, that's McCarthy, McCarthy-esque in
1: the the naming of a
0: specific number that was, you know, you, it's invented from whole cloth. But if you have, you know, this reminds me of Mac, the whole McCarthy. I've, you know, I got a list here of 217 communists in the, uh, in the State Department. It's specificity is...
1: Yeah, well, Mac- Macar- well, as it turns out, they even retracted that 74,000 number, but not before President Trump had a chance to repeat it in front of a stage of 5,000 people. And, of course, when President Trump speaks, lots of, lots of people listen. Lots of people listen. And so, no, McCarthyism is a great analogy. And, and I've consistently said that, you know, witch hunts are bad even if you're not a witch. Um, I
0: think that's the answer. And let me pose that as a question to you because I, it's often been asked and you posted in your own paper. Well, uh, if there's nothing to hide, why do you care if the ninjas take a look?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the reasons are, one, it further damages confidence in our election system when these people make these wild, baseless allegations because they are inexpert and they are driven by their own agenda. To, there is a very real human cost. What precipitated my involvement in this is when my office, not the former office, but my office was accused of unlawfully spoiling evidence. And that came directly from the Senate audit's Twitter account. So straight from, you know, the, the horse's head. And it, this is our reputation. And all of a sudden, I have my phone completely exploding with people I care about and support and saying, you know. Why are you doing something that's unlawful? What are you talking about? I'm not doing that. I'm going to defend myself. And, you know, that's the most mild form of it. Then, as I mentioned, you know, we have people who are not well, necessarily, who are tracking down employees who work in the office, finding their Facebook pages and say, you know, I just heard that you're deleting the files. Uh, You know, I'm going to get you for that. And again, I'm making it PG rated because it's not PG rated when it's delivered to us, I assure you. Um, But that's the real harm. And there is a human component of this. And we've seen the Board of Supervisors. uh, These are people with young kids have, you know, protesters outside of their house and, and, you know, that are sort of violent in nature. And for anyone who says this could never take a violent turn, (laughs) well, I think that's – Uh, Very ahistorical, Um, even recent history, Mm -hmm. we've seen violent turns uh, both associated with the Stop the Steal movement but then associated with other movements as well. When you you whip up these animal spirits and you gather in large groups and it's – and I'll tell you what, it's inherently anti-conservative. You know, the the conservative movement was really born when Edmund Burke was watching the French Revolution and he was looking at these guillotines and he said, well, hey now, maybe we should be a little more cautious before we completely behead an entire class of people. And yet what's – that's become a, a popular totem again has been – we saw the guillotine when they they said they wanted mm-hmm. to guillotine Mike Pence. They brought the guillotine. I guillot- think it was a hang noose, but yeah. Oh, OK. Yes, yes. Um, they the want, they brought a guillotine to the state capitol. It's like are, we're going to completely rip down our institutions and we're going to execute people. Like this is not a conservative mm-hmm. movement. And some might say that's symbolic, but you know the crowd. There's some, but There are some in the crowd that are just unhinged, that are not right. And all it okay. takes is one mentally unhealthy per- person to get whipped up by this to do something that then we all really regret. Mm-hmm. You've had security from time to time. I have. Uh, I'm so grateful to ACTIC, to the county sheriff. Paul Penzone has been absolutely amazing. Uh, the Office of Enterprise Technology at Maricopa County. Uh, fortunately, we are blessed with amazing law enforcement personnel, amazing security personnel. The West Court Building, um, who have really taken care of us. Uh, but truthfully, for the for the first six months of my office, my time there, the thing that kept me up at night was my employees' safety. Mm-hmm. Did, ha, has myself. that
0: security been extended to members of your staff or others within the department?
1: We, you know, without getting into it in detail, sure. I'm not we, asking yeah, yeah, for yeah, no, the no, details. we have. Sense. Yes, we have taken measures to mm-hmm. to enhance security. Yeah, and for obvious reasons I won't ask about that. Yeah. But but uh, that's good to hear. Um
0: cuz for God's sakes this is not the way we want to the way
1: we want to go. No, and and these are these are good people. These are normal Arizonans. These are people who work a job, get a paycheck, like their jobs are passionate about their jobs, but they're they're passionate about it in the sense that they want a governing institution to run well. And then they go home and they have families. Then they go home and they root for, you know, an Arizona sports team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, you know, the, the demonization of these people, and especially by my fellow elected politicians, is just, these are your constituents mm-hmm. too. Like, don't demonize them.
0: You know, just... Uh, maybe you can just react to this one i think the difficulties about this is that if somebody throws out uh, some theory you know well i i saw one on election night uh uh there was a reporter television reporter with a with a tv with a with a like a station wagon where they had their cameras and stuff like that and somebody screamed they're you know they're hauling in some fake ballots and And they got them to open up the the van and look at it, and it was just a bunch of cameras. And it was, it's so easy to throw something out and, uh, some uh, sometimes it's getting in a situation. I mean, you can't prove you can't prove to me that ballots weren't flown in from yeah. China, even though there's no evidence yeah. of it. Proving the negative is uh,
1: just, just <laughs> prove that there are ferries at the bottom of the well. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know the the level of absurdity that this has taken. Like when we recently had to haul out trash, just normal operations. So we had a refrigerator that was broken and some printers that were broken. We loaded them up onto trucks, and because we have 24-hour cameras that are live streaming in many of our rooms Mm -hmm. such that people can feel confident about it that whole afternoon we were fielding questions about what are you unlawfully moving off premise and it's like well (laughs) our broken refrigerator you know I, i i don't see how that can manipulate ballots which by the way we're with the cyber ninjas at that point but i mean these people have been whipped up into a frenzy it's not healthy It's alarming. Um, I'm really hopeful that once the Cyber Ninjas produce a report, we can return to some semblance of normalcy so that we can do our jobs and we can continue to improve and we can run an election, which we have coming up. We have jurisdictional elections coming up in November with a lot of important issues such as school bonds on, on the ballot. We'll be back with Stephen Richer.
0: Want to raise a kind of a final topic. Where do we go from here? What are the implications of all of this for (laughs) democracy when we return with Stephen Richer in the Think Tank? The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back with Stephen Richer. We've been talking about the um, 2020 election and the various attempts to uh, go through that and uh, investigate or, or or impugn the results of that election. I want to pull back a little bit uh, in this final segment. Um, these folks, cyber ninjas, are going to deliver some off, off delayed, but at some point there's going to be some kind of a report. I can't imagine, given the folks that are doing it, that there's any way on earth they can say, oh, everything is just fine. You know, they're going to they're gonna say something, was yeah, awry.
1: I. I have no inside information. I hope they do the responsible thing. I've consistently said I have confidence in a few of the actors that – Um, are involved with the process, and I hope they will... They
0: seem to be the peripheral ones, though.
1: Well, Ken Bennett absolutely seems like he's on the outs, and even with these new documents that came out recently, it seems like the Cyber Ninjas and even Senator Fan don't think very highly of Ken Bennett's role in all of this. Um, I, I actually thought I was counting on him to play some sort of moderating... Uh, professionalizing tone. I also think highly of the Senate's Council and presumably they'll maybe soften some of the stuff so, you know, anything that's explicitly defamatory will hopefully be muted. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a, a report that says there were problems... And there were concerns, but doesn't name them, is still incredibly damning, you, and it's damaging for our confidence. As you pointed out, uh, yeah, there were problems. In, it, every election
0: that's ever been done has some problems. There was, uh, after full investigation, I think one woman in Scottsdale was prosecuted. You pointed this out. Uh, she uh, filled out a ballot for a deceased relative. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was discovered. It, but, but I think the key to it was— it was once and there was no evidence that she happened to be connected to anybody else and by the way she happened to be a republican but she but, did. but it was but it was the real key to me is there's no evidence of that being linked to any organize you don't steal an election with one vote
1: no absolutely one not there was no evidence their... it was systemic and it was done by an individual voter and i'm sorry our office of 160 people can't control the actions of 2.6 million individuals mm-hmm. um, that that's true of any Governing or policing jurisdiction. There will be people who will break the law and we will, of course, refer to those for prosecution. And the attorney general is very zealous. And that's another thing that I sort of scratch my head about because the attorney general has an election integrity unit and he's probably filed more election related lawsuits than all previous attorney generals in the history of Arizona combined because he really likes this stuff and he cares about this stuff. And it's still a handful. And it, it, it still, it's, still, it's still a handful. You know, most of the things have been procedural and law related. Um, you know, and he was obvious when the voter registration deadline got extended, for instance, he was very zealous in that. But he was among the first to say the election wasn't stolen, and he has an election integrity unit that is specifically dedicated to this. So this is another instance in which I say, you know, put up or shut up. Give it to the attorney general if you're really saying that you have all this evidence out there. And so, but nobody has. And I will tell you, Mark Bernovich is nobody's patsy when it comes to you know being you know really hard nosed conservative.
0: I'm thinking of one potential implication of this. This could all backfire on on the republicans in that if in effect the message is going out you know your vote isn't counting it's a, it's all cheat oh absolutely and if somebody who is who is it that's going to receive that message and possibly not vote because of it it's would one would think it's more likely to be republicans than democrats because they're the ones that are receptive to this message right now
1: Absolutely. I haven't seen this quantified yet, and so you're the quant guy. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you'll get somebody mm-hmm. on that, or maybe some uh budding PhD mm-hmm. dissertation will Georgia, we'll, uh, Georgia. We'll look at Georgia yeah, and, and maybe. we suspect that and we have some basic numbers that a good number of Georgia Republicans stayed home during the U.S. Senate runoff in January because they were told their votes didn't matter and it didn't count. And that's really – you know, you finished your PhD. I didn't. So I'll leave this sort of the cerebral stuff to you about what are the implications for democracy. Yeah. But I've been focusing on the selfish concerns of my beloved Republican mm-hmm. Party and that I don't think this is a winner uh, yeah. on, on many levels. Yeah, I don't think there's the day- – David definitively
0: answered that. But not only was it the stay at home, he also wrapped the election in himself and made it a refer- and a referendum on Donald Trump in Georgia at that moment was less winnable than just vote Republicans because these guys are solid Republicans. Because yeah. we don't want the Democrats to have control of the United States Absolutely. Senate. That Seems that, like a pretty that would, strong message. That, that argument, I think, would have won. Yeah. And, and the only reason I say that is the margin was so
1: small uh, that we're talking tiny little increments here. Yeah, and of course I can't prove that beyond a doubt, but um, it seems reasonable. I, I and think
0: you can. I think you can have confidence in the directionality of
1: it, but n- whether it was enough to make the difference—that's the. Only yeah, look, there are, there. it's hard to unseat inc- an incumbent, and there were mm-hmm. two. Incumbent yep. U.S. senators yep. there, and there were two fairly obscure ch- Democratic challengers, both of whom, whoops, I all of a sudden became a U.S. senator. In a state that hadn't elected a Democrat
0: since, uh, I don't know, since, well, a while. And even some of those were very conservative holdover Democrats from Dixiecrat days. Yeah. So, um, so uh, just last implications for our democracy here we're we're, you know we're running out of time and this is the big question do we put this back together as, as a people if if all of our system is is based on our at some point accepting the results of an election if we don't how do we maintain a democracy
1: it's a good question because it's obviously the the fundamental agreement by which all Americans at least tacitly once Mm -hmm. agreed that imbues our elected officials with authority. The reason why Mm -hmm. uh, Senator Sinema can purport to represent Arizona is because we we tacitly agreed that this process called a democratic election allowed her to speak for Arizona. And so if we undermine that, well, that not only does away with Joe Biden – and Center Cinema, but also all the state legislators who are, who, are who are running this show,
0: who are majority Republican. How how one can impugn the integrity yeah. of
1: one office without taking them all on? So you know, I have made it clear that you know my self worth and self value is is not. Um, hinging on my future as an elected office holder, but I know that there are many elected office holders for whom that is the be-all end all. And so I have again tried to appeal to that sort of selfish Republican nature for for my party and just said, like, I, I think this is one undermining your own system and two potentially hurting your future election chances. Uh,
0: I'll, I'll give you the last word in, but I'll state it because I thought one of the saddest things uh, was your in your whole report was your observation that. Uh, self-preservation or stay in office seems to be the driving force with most yeah. elected officials. That's the sad note on which we have to end. We're out of time. Thank you, Stephen Richard. We'll be back next week in the think tank. Thank
1: you so much for having me.